Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of United on Wheels, United Spinal's podcast about life as a wheelchair user. I'm your host, Ian Ruder. I'm a United Spinal employee, the editor of New Mobility Magazine, and a longtime quadriplegic with 21 years on wheels coming up next month. Hopefully, wherever you are listening, spring has sprung. I can't think of a wheelchair user I know that isn't stoked to replace the cold, snowy weather with some more sun and warmer temperatures. True as that may be, Statistics show that the shift in seasons also brings a surge in depression and mental health issues. Perhaps that's why May is officially Mental Health Awareness Month. With some research suggesting that nearly half of all people with spinal cord injuries deal with some sort of depression or mental health issues, being aware of how these manifest and what we can do about them is critical. Now, more than ever, you can access valuable resources and information via the internet, but sometimes the most helpful advice comes from simply talking with and listening to other people who have been in your shoes. With that in mind, and as part of Mental Health Awareness Month, today's podcast is going to be a frank discussion about the ups and downs of mental health and spinal cord injury. I'm joined by Dr. Patty Schroeder and Jamie Duplachin, two powerhouse women who are willing to share the wealth of knowledge they've accumulated in their time on wheels. Dr. Schroeder is a licensed clinical psychologist based out of San Diego. She specializes in treating eating disorders and also works with people with physical disabilities, helping them to adapt to the new realities facing them. In addition to being a former Miss Wheelchair Louisiana, Jamie is the secretary of Louisiana's statewide independent living council, an honorary board member of the Brain Injury Association of Louisiana, and an active advocate and peer mentor. As always, the podcast is for your listening enjoyment and not intended as professional or medical advice. If you're having a crisis or need help, please reach out to a medical professional who knows you. With all that covered, let's get to it. You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. United on Wheels. Now we're rolling. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me here today on United on Wheels. Uh, it's really an honor to have you both with me, and I'm excited for today's conversation about mental health and depression. Uh, I thought before we really get into some of the questions, maybe you could each just introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about uh, how you got where you are and your own history with uh, dealing with some of the issues around SCI and mental health. Uh, Jamie, you want to start first? Sure. I'm Jamie Duplachan, and I was injured at the age of 15, um, a very rebelling teenager. And <laughs> imagine that, huh? And I told my parents, my parents didn't know where I was. My dad thought I was with my mom. My mom thought I was with my dad. And I was um, with friends that I shouldn't have been with. And they gave me the opportunity to drive without a license and very inexperienced so I took the opportunity and ended up flipping a vehicle and breaking most of my cervical spine. Um, but I'm here now and I'm very active in the community, um, trying to make big changes for the disability community here in Louisiana. And Patty? Hi, I'm Patty Schroeder, and I am a psychologist in San Diego, California. And I also, um, I'm quadriplegic. I had my spinal cord injury when I was 22, the summer after I finished college at University of Michigan. 
and um, I was at a party with a bunch of friends at, at, a, at a house, and they had a lake and a, a big dock, and I ended up, there were people swimming all day, but I didn't really register that there might be a shallower part of the dock, or like of the lake around the dock, and so later that night, we, it was just very hot summer night in Michigan, and I decided to go take a swim and dove off the dock, and I dove off of the shallow side and um, ended up breaking my fifth and sixth cervical spine or vertebrae. And um, so I, I guess I'm home really quickly to San Diego after that and just did my rehab here. And um, now I'm like, it's been, I've lived really half my life now with a spinal cord injury. Um, I kind of just got to that uh, like landmark date this past year, which is kind of, kind of cool. So yeah, and I, I'm also a therapist, so I work a lot with, um, you know, mental health just in my work and have experienced, of course, my own news um, throughout my life, you know, largely after my spinal cord injury, but, um, you know, just throughout anyway, just being a human being. Um, so that's my intro. So was your decision to go into uh, psychology based off of your injury, or was that something you were already planning before? Or? Yeah, it was, it was actually what I had intended before my injury. I was a psychology major in college, and luckily for me, what I wanted to really, you don't really need to be super physically active or, you know, don't have to even stand up at work to be able to work with clients doing therapy. So that was definitely a huge piece that that helped me through my recovery, just knowing that I could still pursue what I wanted to for my career. Definitely. No, I how, just don't have that. How did your personal experiences with uh, depression or kind of the emotional turmoil of post SCI uh, shape the last, you know, 15, 20 years of you guys' lives after your injury? Um, well, for me, I, that struggled um, not right away after my injury. I think uh, at first I was kind of somehow my defense mechanism took over and just allowed me to focus on my recovery and rehab and just trying to get as healthy as I could. But then about a year or two after, that's when everything started to set in and started to just, um, yeah, cope with all of the loss. Um of movement and just how different things have become so quickly and um, kind of my, my recovery adrenaline wore off, I guess. Um, so I ended up working with a therapist um, for quite a while that was extremely helpful to me. And I just really saw, I had never worked with a therapist before. So it, it really helped me to value just the work that therapists do and, and realize, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot to be gained from just talking about what's going on and talking about what you have kind of stuck in your head that you think no one's going to understand. Um, Definitely. so that was really my first personal, it was really, yeah. So anyway, um, what about, what about you, Jamie? Well, after my injury, um, I was, it was happened during the summer transitioning from my sophomore to my junior year. 
And I was, like I said, I was rebelling and I was chasing acceptance from my peers. And that's why I did what I did. And then in the hospital, of course, when they let me know um, that I was now paralyzed, they may never walk again. And I was on the ventilator for a while and they were expecting me to live on the ventilator. I was like, oh, wow, like what's going to happen now? Who's going to accept me now? But I did. I decided to move in with my father after my injury and I went right back to school six weeks after I got home from the hospital just because I needed something to keep me busy. Um, I graduated a year and a half later and then I moved three and a half hours away from home because my focus wasn't on recovery. My focus wasn't on walking again or getting better. My focus was on learning to live again and adjust, adjusting to a mm-hmm. different way of life. So mm-hmm. moving away, um, from my friends was the best thing for me, um, because I was able to focus on myself and getting myself together um, and being a college student and just living independently from my parents um, and learning that independence um, because I knew like it came to me when I was in Shreveport for some testing for the Louisiana Rehabilitation Services that you know I was 17 and I knew that if I didn't leave my dad's house because I am daddy's baby, that I would not experience true independence. So I needed to get away, mm-hmm. and that's what I did, and that was the best thing for me. How was that emotionally? Though I mean, was that difficult? What did you go through? Some of the some signs of depression, or you know, did you struggle with things? Or I guess I did. I I had my days. I guess you can say. But, uh, and I did try going to a therapist, but I was really against it. And I was like, I'm good. I can do this. And I've managed. Um, not saying that something's wrong with going to therapist by any means, because, um, I don't think I just, I just knew that I needed to get away and get myself together. And while I did go through different emotions, I had some really cool people that had spinal cord injuries that um, backed me up and really motivated me to live independent and do what I was doing um, and just to go through school and all. Um, and, of course, like now I still experience some um, emotional things, but, you know, I just it's life and we all go through that. I just. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I mean, I think everybody goes through it differently, for sure. I mean, I know after my injury, uh, I think I actually came through probably pretty smoothly. I didn't feel that depressed and just sort of started figuring things out. But, you know, 20 years in, things change and, you know, <laughs> um, you face new realities and new <laughs> problems. And uh, I definitely found a time where I needed to talk to somebody and just kind of um, mm-hmm. none of the stuff that I had was, was working maybe as well as I would have liked. And those conversations with a, you know, someone who could listen and provide feedback were incredibly helpful for me. Um, and you know, I think sometimes there's stigma in society around that, but I think hopefully we're moving beyond mm-hmm. that point where people can understand that there's real value in kind of putting yourself out there and being honest with, you know, with what you're going through. 
Yeah, I um I always did. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I had a really good friend who was a quad and had been a quad for a while before me and we lived in the same dorm and so and he Mm -hmm. had promised my dad that he would look out for me he was like a big brother to me um and so charlie would i would always cry to him and let him know what i was going through and you know he would rough me up and he just kind (laughs) of showed me the ropes i guess you can say and he just it made me a lot stronger um and so i think being around other quads so soon after my injury um, really helped me and it definitely pushed me to be who I am today because um, I always said that the only thing that I really want to do is be who I needed when I was going through the anger and the sadness because I I guess I want to carry on the Mm -hmm. legacy that Charlie gave to me definitely yeah I mean you talked about sort of the value of you know peers and having people you can talk to in your, in your peer circle. And, uh, Patty, you talked, you know, about the, you know, the value of finding someone like a therapist you can talk to. Are there other coping Mm -hmm. mechanisms that you guys have found or, uh, things that, that work, have worked for you as far as kind of working through emotions and other difficult times? I have definitely found myself, um, in a better state of mind when I just call up a friend and help them in some type of way. Or mm-hmm. I do something um, gener- out of generosity or something. Um, I've found a lot of myself in helping others, especially with that, um, you know, being the advocacy team leader. And I read something the other day that um, advocacy is one of the best examples of empathy. And so it really does me a lot of good to work with a lot of the mothers of children with disabilities um, who are experiencing so much um, turmoil because, you know, their life is a bit chaos because they're just finding out their children have autism or just all types of stuff. And I can just offer them hope. And that helps me tremendously. What about for, what about for you, Patty? I agree. Yeah, I was going to say, Jamie, I totally agree. It, it helps a lot to be able to um, you know, give to others and, and be there for other people and support other people going through tough times. I think um, that can be a huge way to kind of like refocus your energy and, and use what you've gone through in a positive way. And um, so that can be a huge coping skill. I think another thing is just, um, like you said, talking to a good friend with or without a spinal cord injury, because I didn't know anyone who had a spinal cord injury until I had one. And then and, then I ended up meeting a couple of, of people that I've really leaned on a lot. Um, but luckily, I had some really good friends that were super supportive to me and kind of got me out of my own head. I think just trying to go do something that you would do that you it doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or not, just, you know, um, doing something where you can laugh is really absolutely that me get through some of the darker times. Um, yeah. And then just you know, trying to, I guess, just focus on, it sounds corny, but just really being grateful for all the things you can still enjoy and doing as much of those things as you can. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't have spinal cord injuries that (laughs) just don't realize, you know, all the great things they have going for them in their lives. And they don't take advantage of that and really have, you know, they take it for granted. So, yeah. So I tried to, you know, think about that. And then sometimes you just have to 
feel sad for a couple of days. Be sad and cry and watch sad movies and, you know, just let yourself feel bad. And then, you know, kind of for me, sometimes if I, if I have a couple of down days, it kind of gets out of my system. I'm over it. I want to just get back to my life and do what makes me feel good. So yeah, those have been the main things I think that have worked for me. It sounds like both you guys have, you know, have been sort of in that peer mentor role with other people with spinal cord injuries and people with newer injuries who are maybe still working their way through uh, some of these issues. What, what advice do you give them that you draw from your own experience? Because uh, sometimes I know in the early stages, you, people aren't as receptive to hearing all this stuff. What, 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 what do you tell them to help help them work through that? <laughs> There's nothing really to say because they don't want to hear anything, to be honest with you. Um, it. I mean, it, it all depends on the person, too, because everybody, um, you know, we we all overcome differently. So, I mean, I don't really know. The only thing, a lot of the time I notice that whenever I meet someone who is a new spinal cord injury is just to listen. Because, like you said, they don't want to hear anything that you have to say. They don't want to hear how good it's going to be in years to come Mm -hmm. because they're feeling it now and they're miserable and aggravated and angry and just don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just to have that, well, like the empathy and just listen to them and basically say, you know what? I know it sucks, but I'm here and I'm listening to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, you just, I, yeah, I kind of just try to meet them where they are. And if they are not ready to focus on, you know, all the great things they can do in their life moving forward, then I just sit with them and grieve with them and allow them, you know, allow them to just be sad and pissed off. And sometimes they don't want to talk to me and that's fine. I'm like, okay, well, if you ever do, I'm around, you know, Um, but then some people, really want to just they just want to hear like how you got through some of the most basic things you know I mean like learning how to like pick up a fork again or you know learning how to be okay with not being able to pick up a fork again things like you know just stuff that people don't who don't have spinal cord injuries don't have to think about or you know it's hard to talk about it with people in your life that aren't going through it too I think because I don't know sometimes you feel like you know, there's problems that you have that are unfixable. So it's hard to <laughs> talk about it with people that are really trying to help you. So it, you know, in those situations, I think that's when it really can be helpful to talk to someone like a therapist who is not, you know, they're objective. They don't, they're not going to feel bad that they can't fix your problems for you, but you can still vent about them and talk about how hard it is. And, you know, you're not putting any more of a burden on them. Um, just gives you a safe place to kind of put all that. Um, if you don't know anyone with a spinal cord injury that gets it. Right. Um, yeah. We talk a lot about, to this point, I, I focus a lot of the questions on that initial period after spinal cord injury where there's so much going on and people are generally, generally so overwhelmed. But um, all three of us, I think, have been injured for a good amount of time now and have mm-hmm. kind of run the gamut of probably emotions and experiences over those uh, following years. What about how, what different issues come into play the longer you've been, uh, you know, been in a chair, you know, or had a spinal cord injury as far as, you know, having to deal with depression or 
uh, emotional up and ups and downs? Like, what what have been the toughest things you guys have encountered? The acceptance from society is horrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just people looking at me like I'm broken, like I don't need to be fixed. I'm fine. Um, just and just things people say. Um, because, I mean, people don't give individuals an opportunity based on what they see one can't do. They don't, they're not open to the capabilities. And that's really aggravating. <laughs> and I think that's one of the main things that really has gotten me. Because I thought for a long time that I would have the most trouble accepting myself. And now it's like, no, it's society's view and acceptance. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think also just even getting around, um, you know, you just realize how the world is not really that inclusive um, to people in wheelchairs or with various uh, disabilities or different abilities. It's just, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, this is accessible. You just have to go all the way around back and then wind up this really weird ramp that goes all around <laughs> the whole facility. And then you'll finally get to the back door where you can see like, you know, so, I mean, they technically, yes, if they make things accessible for the most part, but sometimes it's just, it wears you out just getting around, you know, trying to get to things. Um, so that can be tough. And then I think also just as you are, um, as you carry on through life with your disability, you kind of reach these different milestones in life where like you imagined as a kid, either doing this or that, or, you know, and so kind of like you kind of, for me, I notice I kind of have to cope with each thing as it comes along, like of dealing with it in a different way. And sometimes there's certain, there's a lot of loss associated with it. And it's kind of like, I didn't realize that it would be ongoing kind of dealing with loss on an ongoing basis. So sometimes it can get tougher than others. And, um, but you know, as we mentioned before, that lots of things can be helpful during those times. And, you know, you just know that there's, uh, you've gotten through other stuff in the past and you'll get through it now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That there's sort of that cumulative, build up of you know mm-hmm. the societal rejection or the frustration with society and i think if you're not in touch with that and thinking about that it can it can sneak up on you and mm-hmm. uh over the years really become become a hindrance because uh, it's always it's always frustrating um <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's always there you know so you got to have strategies mm-hmm. to deal with that like you guys are talking about it's really important yeah my patience has gotten very good over the years <laughs> and my ability was, not to freak out. I was just talking about that today. I said, if I haven't gained anything since my injury, I can say that there's one thing I did and that's patience. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. I think I have a lot of friends and chairs who aren't as patient and, I'm, I'm very thankful for being patient because it's easy. It'd be yeah. easy to be flying off the hook all the time if you don't, if you didn't have patience. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's a perfect lead-in, though. Actually, I was thinking about that. Are there other things that have changed um, on your your approach or your perspective over the years because of dealing with all this continually, uh, developing patience and kind of you know really 
embracing that is a great example. But other, can you think of anything else like that that's changed? Well, I know for me, I've definitely become much more comfortable just speaking up for what I need and putting it out there and kind of advocating for myself and just for other people. Even if even if I can get by, if I go to a restaurant or something and the bathroom just like really sucks, right. then you know I'll most likely tell them, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing this or that in the bathroom just to make it a little easier for folks?" And what I've learned, people are very receptive for the most part most people are just really glad to get some feedback um i don't know if they'll actually, a lot of times they won't actually have the power to do anything about it but um you know i've definitely learned to speak up about it more because there's been so many times when you go to a hotel and you're supposed to have a certain <laughs> room and you get there and they're like oh no we gave that room away and i'm just like really <laughs> so yeah i've learned also to double check and triple check and quadruple check my travel plans before before I go anywhere, um, just to try to save myself the panic of like not having a bathroom I can use when I get to the destination. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, that's what hotels, comes hotels definitely fathom me because I'm like, you have a lift to get me in your swimming pool and your hot tub, but you don't have a lift to get me in and out of the bed, nor do you have a lift to get me in and out of the shower. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Great. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying, Patty. I think that's a really good piece of advice, and that if you can stave off um, situations that you know are going to cause you stress by that sort of preventative um, phone calls or work, you know, mm-hmm. that planning and that sort of taking those extra steps. That's that's a really good tip for avoiding some of the emotional struggles that are you're probably going to have to deal with anyway elsewhere. Anyway, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I've learned the hard way <laughs> that it, it doesn't hurt to make a few extra phone calls, just double checking. Man, it's surprising. Sometimes you've even done that and they still manage to screw it up and you're like, what? It does you had one job, people. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it does. And also just to be able to, what's helpful to me too is to have a friend or two that I can be like, can you please just call them for me? I cannot talk to them one more time. <laughs> people who can like help you deal with that frustration um take some of it off your to-do list for you definitely um patty one of the things you mentioned in, in one, our previous uh, email exchange uh, i think was a good question was about uh, providing resources for people who do want to find uh decide they need to, ex- to find help mm. with a therapist or you know someone they can talk to what advice would you give on that and where, where, where should people go if they want to go down that route yeah um I think if you are interested in trying to find someone to talk to, it can be challenging finding somebody, um, for one, that you feel comfortable with. Um, So I always recommend, you know, feeling free to make a phone call and seeing if they'll be willing to talk with you on the phone for like a 15-minute consultation so you can get a feel for what the person's like if you feel like you can connect with them and feel comfortable talking with them. Um, Most therapists have no problem doing that. Um, And... Being someone with a disability, um, you know, a lot of therapists, there are therapists out there that are very familiar with it, but a lot of them, you know, haven't had the opportunity to work with someone with a disability. So, you know, just see how comfortable they are with you asking them questions about your needs and if they seem willing to be helpful. And, you know, most therapists should be helpful, but, you know, people are people. Um, But, um, you know, ask them things that they wouldn't think of. You have to make sure that you're 
going to be able to even like get through the front door because sometimes they've never had an experience with someone in a wheelchair. So, um, you know, you can ask them things like what their office is configured like. It's sometimes that you can go online and see pictures of their office and stuff. Um, and then a really good resource to find a therapist that your insurance covers is to go on uh, this website, um, psychologytoday.com. They have, and I'm not, I have not, I don't work for them or anything, but they, I just think it's really helpful because you can search for therapists that, um, by issue that they work with and also by insurance that they take in, in your area. So it can really narrow down the scope for you. Um, and if you can't find someone, there's probably people in your community that will offer therapy on a sliding scale um, and organizations that will do that. Like around here, there's a, a great organization called Jewish Family Service that has a lot of therapists that will offer sliding scale therapy. Um, and it's really good quality, um, nice, accessible facility. So, uh, you know, just, you know, do a little homework first and make sure that you feel comfortable talking to that person. And, um, yeah, that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to emphasize is, you know, finding the right person makes all the difference in the mm -hmm. world. And I think don't assume necessarily that, um, working with someone who has a spinal cord injury or has similar circumstances is going to make them the right person for you. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people make that assumption and it's really not the case. It's finding somebody that you're comfortable with who hears you and you feel, you can open up to. Um, yeah. Good so, point. Um, those are all my questions, you guys. I always like to give people a little chance to, you know, plug their own stuff or anything that they want to say at the end. Maybe Jamie, I don't know if there's anything you want to say or places you want to tell people to go or do or. I think everything was covered. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Patty. Um, I don't really have anything to say. I mean, I guess if you, live in san diego and you're looking for a therapist feel free to, um you can find me on my website pattyschroeder.com <laughs> um, yeah and my office is wheelchair accessible obviously so uh -huh. you should have no problem getting in there that'd be real disappointing if it wasn't yeah that would be a struggle <laughs> no elevators either so you can't get stuck for the power outage excellent uh, well, thank you guys both so much for being uh, joining me today and being here. This was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully helpful for people. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you, Ian. Nice to be here. Awesome. United on Wheels. This show is brought to you by United Spinal Association. Thanks for listening.